everybody. Um, I get to talk about Acts 22 this morning. Um, I, I'm, I'm really, really excited. Um, I am actually launching a GoFundMe against Google Docs um, because my notes were gone this morning when I went to print them out. Um, so if anyone wants to donate to taking down the global conglomerate of Google Docs, hit me up. <laughs> but um, Acts 22 is is a really, it's like, kind of an arrival point. So um, we've, we've been talking about Paul. We've been talking about his, his journey through all these different cities um, on his way to Jerusalem, right? And, and Bailey gave uh, the message last week talking about like uh, just that you need an extraordinary faith. Paul had an extraordinary faith about going to Jerusalem because like people were hearing from the Holy Spirit telling him, hey, don't go to Jerusalem. Like, they were like, hey, you're, you're going to get killed in Jerusalem. Don't go. Um, and Bailey talked about the difference between, like, faith-filled advice and, uh, or faithless advice and faithful advice. Um, and, and so we, we get to the arrival point of, of Paul in Jerusalem. Um, and, and it's this really cool story because he, he literally just lays out his testimony. Um, and says, hey, like, this is what God has done in my life. This is what the living God has done in my life. Um, and, uh, you know, some people like it, and a lot of people really don't like it. Um, and I think talking about men's encounter this, this morning is, is really, really great, um, because Brennan said that, like, encountering the living God. Um, and, and that's what Paul did in, in his journeys. He was, you know, he was a persecutor of Christians. Um, he, was, he was there at Stephen's uh, murder as if we remember back in like Acts 3 or Acts 4 I think um, and so you know Paul is this this uh, the, this Pharisee this murderer of Christians and and God encounters him on the way to um, to Damascus to kill more Christians um, and so he has this radical encounter with the living God um, and I believe that we we all as people have the opportunity to have that same encounter um, with the living God. Um, so we're going to just jump right into scripture. Um, Acts chapter 22, verse 3. Um, so this is, you, you, you can remember from last week, Paul, he, he gives this spiel in Jerusalem, and they're like, hey, we want this guy out of here. Um, and so this, this Roman um, tribune takes him away, and he actually talks to him in Greek, and uh, the Roman is like, wait a minute, you speak Greek? And he's like, yeah, and the Roman guy was like, aren't you the Egyptian that's like the Egyptian terrorist that's been causing all this trouble? And he's like, no, man, I'm a Roman citizen, <laughs> and so he, uh, right at the, the end of chapter 21, he asks like, hey, can I say something? Um, and so this is a something that he says, um, so we'll pick it up in verse 3. Then Paul said, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicilia, but brought up in this city. I, stundered, I studied under Gamaliel, and I was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. The high priest and all the council, or as the high priest and all the council can testify themselves. So he's like, hey, this is who I was. And, like, all these, you know, religious leaders, they knew, like, they knew who I was. I was Saul and uh, of Tarsus, and, man, I was a persecutor of the way. Um, and keep going. I even I obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. Next slide. 
About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord, I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. And so he's, he's, he's laying out his testimony. He's laying out how he encountered the living God. Um, and, you know, that's, there's kind of a saying that like, hey, your testimony is the second most powerful story you can tell other than the gospel. And, and your testimony is the gospel encountering your life and changing you. Um, and so that's like, that's the way that we can share about God's goodness without like having to argue like, oh, well, you know, Deuteronomy 6 says this thing and, and that contradicts Psalms 25. And it's like, okay, bro, I don't care about that. I encountered the living God and now my life is different. Um, and so kind of the way that that played out in my life was like, I, I, I describe my family as a family that wanted to be like, like raised Christian, like I was, when I was born, my mom didn't really go to church, and so after I was born, she was like, I need to raise him with Christian values, and so we started going to church, um, and it never really clicked, never really, like, took hold of me, even though I was serving, even though I was, I, I relate to Paul pretty heavily, like, I've, I was doing the things that would have made me a person of, like, high regard, of, of, of religious authority, but, like, my heart was completely wrapped up in sin, and and addictions and stuff like that, and so it wasn't until I, I came to college and, and really gave God a shot, really gave God an opportunity to encounter me that I saw, um, I saw the sin that I was living in, I saw the lies that I was believing, and, and it was really the people around me that I was like, okay, all of these people are living way differently than I am, and their lives look so much better than my life looks, they're filled with so much more joy, and the reason was because they had Jesus and because they were surrendered to Jesus. And so I, I made the decision. I was like, all right, all right, God, let's do this thing. Like, I'm, I'm yours. Um, and then became like a, started a gradual process of, of surrender to him um, that continues to this day. Um, something that w- I heard at, at Men's Encounter that was really, really great was like, I am saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. Um, and that's like the process that we're all in. And that's the process that Paul is in. Like we encounter the living God. It radically transforms our life. We're saved. We are bought with the blood of Jesus. We enter a stage of transformation that's continual. Like as we, as we grow in our maturity, as we become, um, greater disciples and become discipled even more, we are being transformed. And then we have an ultimate sanctification and salvation that is coming. Um, and so let's, let's keep going. Yeah. So, so he, he goes to, he goes to Damascus, um, and he meets a man named Ananias. So a man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. And so, 
yeah, Paul, Paul lays out this story to this crowd, this crowd of, of, of Jews, this crowd of, of religious authorities. And they're like, okay, cool. Like, that's sweet. Um, and then Paul gets into, some, gets into a dicey situation when he uh, brings up why he's in Jerusalem. So this whole time, this whole time in Acts, Paul's been trying to get back to Jerusalem. People have been telling him not to. And he's like, hey, I need to go. I need to go to Jerusalem. And we don't really know why. Like the Bible kind of gives us a cliffhanger. And we see, we see why here. Um, because, next slide. So this is right after. So he, he gets encountered in Damascus. And so this is, this is where he says why he needs to be in Jerusalem. So he says, when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance. So this is directly after Damascus um, and saw the Lord speaking to me quick. He said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And uh, at this point, we're going to skip a little farther forward. But at this point, the crowd is very, very mad because this is the crowd that murdered Stephen. This is the crowd that, you know, tried to crush the way um, right at at its very beginning. And so... You actually see a theme. We're going to see a theme in the next couple chapters of Acts of kind of Paul telling a story and the people revolting and being like, hey, Rome, you need to deal with this guy. And then the Roman authorities are like, we don't really know what you guys want from us. Like we're he's not doing anything because what the Jews wanted to do, because they were mad about the way gaining traction over the Jewish uh, customs. And so they needed to frame Paul as this political zealot, this political um, power that was trying to overthrow Rome because Rome didn't care about Jewish law. Rome doesn't care how they were like, you, you handle that yourself. But the Jews couldn't put people to death. They didn't have any authority to do that. That was only the authority through Rome. And so there's this pattern of, of the Jewish people trying to uh, frame Paul as this political zealot that's trying to overthrow Rome when really he's trying to overthrow like, you know, religious systems that were in place. Um, and it's, it's really, really funny um, how Paul kind of deals with all these situations because he's a smart dude. Like he said before, like he knows the law. He's a Roman citizen, so he knows the Roman law. And so he plays these like games of, hey, the, like the Jewish people don't know what they're doing. Like they don't know what's going on. And you as Roman government, I've done nothing to violate your laws. So like you need to release me as a Roman citizen. Um, and, and I just, I love this story because it just shows the power of the power of a testimony. Um, the power of, of giving a real life account of what God's done in our life. Um, and, you know, there's like a spiritual aspect behind our, our testimony as well. Like there's, pla- there's practical sense. Like I remember, a few years ago, um, you know, everyone, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, my testimony is so boring. Like my wife Bailey has said that before. Cause she's like, you know, I accepted the Lord when I was nine, you know, I loved Jesus all throughout like high school and stuff like that. And like that kind of gradual transformation. Um, and that's kind of how I viewed my story all the time too, until I, um, went to the lake with two of my buddies 
and uh, it was it was my friend Mitchell and my friend Dylan. And Mitchell and I were trying to reach out to Dylan at the time because he was an unbeliever. And so we went out to the lake um, just to have a one-on-one chat with him, share the gospel with him. And, and Mitchell shared his story. And Mitchell has like a pretty crazy story of like a radical encounter with the Lord. Um, and I was like, man, my story like doesn't really matter. So I was just going to say nothing. And Dylan looked at me and he's like, hey, how did you like come to know God? And so I told him. And Dylan looks at me, this, this guy who's an unbeliever looks at me and he's like, you should share your testimony more. And it, like, it shocked me, and it, like, rocked me, and I was like, wait, what do you mean? And he was like, you should tell your testimony more, because he was like, I can't relate to Mitchell's story. Like, his, his radical transformation, his crazy, like, spiritual encounter, like, I can't relate to that. But he was like, I can relate to what God did in your life. Like, I could see, it, w- it wasn't the greatest, because he was like, I could see how I could take the steps that you took to get to where you're at, um, which was, like, I was flattered, <laughs> but he was kind of just like, what, what steps do I need to take to get from point A to point B, um, which is good, but not entirely the whole picture. Um, but that, that changed my mindset because I was like, okay, the actual details of your testimony aren't necessarily the most impactful because God's doing stuff in the background. Like he's, he is animating your story and he is, he is touching other people's hearts through you telling other people like, hey, this is how God has moved in, our, in my life. And it like, un, like, I think I keep seeing like a key, like God unlocks stuff when we tell other people what God has done in our life. And so while that like, you know, we should be telling anyone and everyone our story because our testimony is powerful. Um, and you need to share it because the more you share it, the better you get at it. And, and the more power and the more authority you hold when you're sharing your testimony. Um, and, you know, they, I think of like in the business world, like there's like, what's your elevator pitch? Like you meet a guy in an elevator, you only have 30 seconds. Like, what are you going to pitch to that guy? And, you know, our testimony can be that way. Like you meet a guy on campus or a girl on campus and you're like, feeling that itch, like, hey, God's, like, prompting you to do something, and they're like, oh, I got to go to class, and you're like, all right, let's go. Like, Clay does that all the time. <laughs> we, we're out on Thursday mornings, um, and there's this guy that, like, ghosted Clay or, like, didn't want to talk to him, and he actually met the guy at Dylan's, like, the, the next couple days with his parents, and we've seen him a couple of times, and the second time we saw him on campus, the guy was like, oh, I got to go to class, and Clay was like, all right, let's go, and just Clay walked with him to class um, and shared his story. And so, yeah, there's, there's places for like a short, like, hey, I was living this way, I met God, and now I'm living another way. And then there's places for like, okay, let's unwrap what happened. Like, let's, let's unwrap like, hey, this is the sin that I was in bondage to. Like, this is the stuff that, that I had no power or authority over, and God like freed me from these things. Um, and so we need to be more effective at telling our story, and we need to tell it more often, and we need to tell it to more people because God wants to move supernaturally behind what, what we're expressing and, and the stories that we're telling. Um, on cam- our campus meetings, we're, we're talking about the greatest story ever told, um, and kind of like, man, we should have named it like what you didn't hear in Sunday school, because it's like, you know, we, last week Rich talked about David and Goliath, um, and, you know, it's a nice, this nice little story about, you know, a little kid who loves God, who defeats this giant, but it, there's, there's more of, like, just understanding a spiritual rebellion and, and 
you know, the God of Israel against the, the gods that um, rebelled against him. And so there's this just really, really cool and interesting background to what's going on in the Bible. And I believe that's the same thing for our testimony as well. Um, so we're going to move on a little bit. Um, so we skipped a little bit forward. So the, the Jewish crowd gets really, really mad at, at Paul, and they're like, hey, this guy doesn't deserve to live. Like, they're literally like, he doesn't deserve to live. And so this, um, this Roman commander, they, they take him, um, and they're going to flog him to get more information out of him because they're like, hey, these Jewish people are, are launching a pretty harsh accusation against you. We're going to torture you so that you can give us more information. And so as they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? So this is like Paul's like, hey, I know the Roman law. Like, I know that what they're, go- what they're about to do isn't legal. And, and Rome, like, Rome had a weird, like, they loved their laws so much, and they had such a sense of justice and, and such a sense of, like, you know, the wicked should be punished, but then there was so much corruption in, in their systems. Um, and so when the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and reported it. What are you going to do, he asked. This man is a Roman citizen. The commander went to Paul and asked, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. And the commander said, I had to pay a lot of money for my citizenship, but I was born a citizen, Paul replied. And those who were about to interrogate him withdrew immediately. The commander himself was alarmed when he realized that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in chains. Um, so there's like, there's like heavy act, like repercussions for what, what this centurion had been doing, because like, if Paul went above him and was like, Hey, I like, I was arrested for breaking no law at all. Like that commander would probably die. Like he would probably be executed for doing that. Um, and so, you know, there's these, and then like in the next chapter, uh, so the centurion's like, hey, I'm not messing with this stuff anymore. Like, you deal with it. And so he gets the high priests and the, and the council together. And, and Paul, like, knowing the differences between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, messes stuff up. I, I won't spoil it for uh, who's speaking next week. Um, but even beyond our, our testimony, like, man, we got to be a little cunning. We have to have a little bit of... Um, a few weeks ago, Jonathan talked about like having some grit. Like we got, we need to have some grit in in our lives and in 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 our walk with God. Like we got to be a little gritty. We got to be a little cunning, because um, you know, like the whole nice Christian lifestyle that we have right now in America would have just Paul would have just been flogged and he would have been beaten and he would have like if he was just being a nice Christian because he's like, oh, I I can't like make people mad. I can't offend people. Um, but no, Paul's like, hey, this isn't right. Like, I know your laws. I'm, I'm going to stand for your laws more than you are right now. Um, there's this, there's a, I highly recommend it. There's this really cool Bible Project podcast about these, um, uh, these chapters. And it talks about, like, kind of the way that we look at Paul and the way that we see him deal. Because he goes up the ladder. He, like, goes up to Felix, who's the, the commander's. Um, head, and then he gets all the way up to Caesar also. Um, so he appeals to Caesar, the emperor of Rome. And there's this really cool picture of, like, Paul kind of shows us how we can deal with government, like how we can deal with corruption and, and, and care for our government more than the government even cares for, uh, for itself. Like, Paul cares about the, the Roman government more than Rome does. Um, 
and so yeah, there's this this really cool picture of just like surrender to Jesus, but also kind of some kind of some shenanigans and kind of some like, hey, you guys aren't doing the right thing. I like I know what's up, um, and in this infighting that he can he can kind of disturb, um, because yeah, the the way is is causing upheaval, and it's doing that right now as well. Like like the faith of Jesus, the um, just allegiance to Jesus causes upheaval in in the systems that exist and and that's why the Jewish people were so mad at Paul is because hey they were watching their they were watching their livelihood and their and their ways and their traditions kind of crumble to the ground before them and and these pa- these systems that gave them political power crumbling before them and so they you know they needed Rome to interfere um, but you know, Paul had other plans, Jesus and God had other plans. Um, and so through like, through them trying to get the way to be lesser than and, and to kind of stamp it out, it expanded and it blew up all over the world. And, you know, I, I, I believe we wouldn't be here today in this room, like talking about Jesus, if it wasn't for like this upheaval that was happening. And, and for Paul, like standing up for for Jesus and standing up for even just the laws that that were being used against him improperly. Um, And so I think we have, we have an opportunity to do that right now today. Um, Talking like, you know, sharing our testimony with the people around us, but also like, hey, standing up for what's right, like within our governmental systems and like, hey, this is like, you know, our laws are, are great in a lot of senses. Like, there's a lot of really, really great things that are written into our laws um, that, that we can stand up for in the face of corruption um, because they align, like, they align with God's will. Um, and so, that's basically all I got for you guys this morning. Like, our testimony is, our, is a powerful weapon um, that we need to use more often and, and more frequently and with, and with, grit and with cunning and with intelligence um, because yeah God is God wants to do something through our stories God wants to change people's lives through our stories um, it, it, it happened to me I'm sure it happened to you of, of someone reaching out and saying hey like this is how God impacted my life do you want to come along um, and and we have an opportunity to do that as well so yeah like if you're not in a, involved in a small group like get involved that's where, like, this all, you know, that's where this, everything we talk about on Sunday mornings really gets into our lives and really gets practical and really gets, like, hey, this is how we walk out the stuff that we've been learning. Um, man, you know, if, if you're being discipled, like, commit to a deeper level um, with the person's discipling you. If you're not being discipled, get discipled. Like, you will experience radical transformation, and your life will never be the same, um, and yeah, I'm gonna pray. Yeah, go. Yeah. I felt like I'm on the email sheet. Uh huh. Yeah. It's a very, very good question. So, I. Yeah, so I I lived my life in a manner that 
you know, I, I, I had that like religious hypocrisy of just like I served on Sunday mornings. I um, did all the things that I, I should be doing. But, you know, I was, you know, I was addicted to pornography and addicted to lying and to um, just manipulation. Um, and so and I, I, I loved science, too. And so in my mind, like science and, and God butt heads and they didn't make any sense together. Um, and so because because I had answers in one field and not the other, I, I chose I chose to walk away from my faith. Um, and I met Bailey in high school. Um, and when we started dating, she was like, hey, I'm I'm not going to date a person who's not a Christian. Like that's like the bottom barrel like ground <laughs> criteria I need and I was like all right I can I can do it I can put on that face um and I think that was really like the the final blow in my life like um oh my gosh we were hanging out with Bailey's brother yesterday and he's he's discipling a guy who just like came to faith and he made the comment like there was way too much stacked against him for him to not believe in Jesus um and I was like wow that's really because, like, just the people in his life were, were strong believers. People were praying for him, interceding for him all the time. Um, and I really feel like that's kind of, like, my story. Like, I was, I was dead to rights living for myself. Uh, as, soon as, as soon as I, like, was like, okay, I gave God a small little window of pretending to be, like, a Christian. And he used that to, like, completely change me. Um, and so, like, I, I kind of overestimated what pretending to be a Christian would look like because Bailey was super involved and like in the involved, like we all want to be involved. And so we went to, you know, I went to youth group with her all the time and we, she took me to a, a super summer camp and at super summer was really kind of the first time that I encountered God and the first time that I heard his voice um, pretty loudly um, and I didn't really know what to do with it. And so that was the summer after my senior year. And so I came to college and I would call myself a believer at that point, but I had no foundation to anything that I believed. Um, and so as soon as I had any opportunity to live for myself and live for the world, I took it. Um, and the, the friends that I, I got were, they weren't bad people, but they were, you know, they were unbelievers. They were people of the world. And so I just did whatever they wanted to do. And so, you know, the you know, the temptation to to drink and to party and to do all these different things was very, very strong, and I gave in quickly. Um, and so my freshman year was kind of just a waste um, until, you know, my, you know, they we'd say, like, don't flirt to convert, and don't, absolutely don't, but it's like, it works <laughs> with, with Bailey and I, because when she came to college, we heard about Bluemont, and we got plugged in, um, and we you know, I met Bo Banner the first time I came to, to church, and I had heard about Bo Banner. He was like a celebrity at my high school, because um, I was I was a sophomore when he graduated high school, and so he was this football basketball star and uh, part of the cool kids crew, and so he, like, walks up to me. I barely recognized him, because he was a completely changed man, um, and he he met up with me, and he shared, like, how God had changed his life, how in... Uh, in his buddy's room on a Friday night, th- his buddy shared the gospel to him, and he woke up, he accepted Jesus and woke up the next morning, and it was a completely different person. And I was kind of hesitant of that, but I could tell by the conviction that he was speaking with that I was like, okay, this is the real deal. Like, he, he's not lying to me. Like, he really experienced transformation. And so I think there were people around me 
like I said earlier, that were experiencing transformation that I couldn't deny. Like there was a lot that I could deny before being involved in, in a, a discipleship making, a disciple making movement um, that I just couldn't deny anymore. Man, God was knocking on my door and I, I couldn't ignore it anymore. Um, and so I said, okay, God, like for the first time I was like, okay, God, I'm yours. Like whatever, whatever you want to do in me, do it, like take it away from me. And so, you know, there were easy things that I let God transform, like you know, I started reading my Bible every day, and I, I got baptized, and, you know, I, uh, you know, I had a stronger conviction about alcohol and, and, you know, vices that I had before that I was like, okay, I'm not going to mess with those anymore, but it wasn't until actually Men's Encounter that I really, God really met me and was like, hey, there's a lot of places that I'm not Lord of your life. Like, there's a lot of areas in, in your heart and in your mind that I'm not Lord over, Um, and so just through, like, through prayer and confession and repentance and, um, guys around me, like, that process of letting him be Lord over those places became further and further. Um, and that, that process is still ongoing, um, and thank God that it is, um, because, yeah, I don't want to arrive, but I think the, yeah, just like, it's weird that one small, like, I'm going to pretend to be a Christian ruined my life, air quotes, (laughs) like, ruined the life that I wanted to live, and ruined the life that, like, I had built for myself, Um, and so, yeah, that, you know, I I became a changed person, Um, and um, the man I am today would not be, wouldn't, I, dude, I don't even know if I'd be alive. I don't, I just, I wasn't in, I like, I wasn't into any crazy stuff, but like, I feel like I would have been like, just if I really, really think about who I was, like I was a good person, but it's like, I, I don't know if I'd be alive. Like I probably would have gotten into something dumb and, you know, done something I shouldn't have done. And it probably would have killed me. Um, so yeah, that's more of who I am. <laughs> Yeah, does anyone have any questions since Jonathan opened it up? Let's let's see. Yes, Clay. Yeah, it's yeah. It's it's like a it's a complicated process, but it was I think it was just I was just naive, honestly. Like I was just blind because like, I look back now, and just the the mental hoops that I was jumping through to kind of justify that, like, oh, yeah, God has, God doesn't exist, just doesn't make any sense. Like, even, I don't know, we, we talked about, oh, dude, I was so into, like, the Big Bang, and so into, and I still, like, I don't think that that didn't happen, um, but Jonathan actually, like, gave a message years ago and he was ta- he talked he made a comment i don't even think it was what your message was about but he made a comment about like if you look at the shape of like the universe and like the background radiation that exists like it literally like mimics a sound wave like it looks like a sound wave and uh you know in in the beginning like god spoke existence into you know spoke everything into existence and i was just like wow like God's, like, God's voice is literally, like, still reverberating from when he created everything, Um, and so I think it was, 
I think it was a, a, a process of um, just kind of becoming, like, gaining my sight, like Paul did. Like, I think there's, there's so many conclusions that we can come to by being blind and not actually seeing the world for what it is. Um, and, you know, that, that didn't, that didn't make me a Christian. Like, I didn't, you know, I didn't come to all of these conclusions and then been like, okay, God, now that I have all the answers, I'll believe in you. But all of that came after, like, after I was, after I came alive and after I became a follower, because I think that that was, I think that was key in, in being able to see the reality, um, and I think that's even true for even stuff beyond science, like even just the spiritual realm. Like, we we want to deny it so much until we see it, and then we're like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, woven into every single thing that happens in our day-to-day life. And so that's why we've been talking about it at a campus meeting is like, hey, there's a spiritual battle that we're involved in and that is, you know, people are in bondage. And, like, we need to free them through the power of the gospel. That was also, like, a huge revelation that, like, led me to follow Jesus was just, like, hey, there's a, there's a job. Like, there's a, something to do. Like, I'm not just becoming a Christian just so I can feel good about myself and go to heaven. Like, that's, like, icing on the cake that I'll think about later. But it's, like, man, there's people that are just enslaved to darkness and to the kingdom of darkness. And the only way they can get out is through the gospel. Um, so yeah. Anyone else? Yes, Bo. Um, talking about like sharing your stories with your friends or whatever. How do you know when the right time is to do that? When the right opportunity is to to get a little deeper with your story? Like are you talking about like beyond just like you know, like the beyond the elevator pitch type of thing? Yeah. Or just at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't think that there's a wrong time. Like, just just the understanding of, like, God wanting to do something in the spiritual realm behind you sharing your story. Um, I don't think that there's necessarily a wrong time. It may feel like a wrong time because the person may be like, F off, bro, I don't want to talk to you. But it's like, okay, God's doing something with just me being like, yeah, I'm going to say it. Um, and, and on like being in tune with the Holy Spirit also, like just trusting and knowing that you can hear from God, um, and knowing what his voice sounds like, he will, he will prompt you. Like I've had experiences with people that I was like, man, I would sharing my story with him would have never been anywhere on my radar of, of what I'm going to do with this person. Um, but God's like, Hey, like tell him about your life. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then, you know, stuff happens. Um, so I don't think that there's a, a wrong time, but I think like, especially like in the most, in the most powerful sense and like the place where it's like, okay, this is going to cut this person to the heart. Um, I think that really revolves on a being like being well-versed in your story and like saying it often and telling people often, and then just listening to the Holy Spirit, um, because, yeah, if you get prompted by the Holy Spirit to tell your testimony, like, God's already been doing something in that person. And so, like, yeah, that can be that final, you know, twist of the key that unlocks their heart. Cool.
let me pray for us, um, and I'll have Brendan come back up. But, God, we just, God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you have, you have radically encountered each one of us. Um, God, thank you for Paul's story, um, just of, of a man living one way and, and you encountering him as the living God and living another. Um, God, I pray that we continue to learn from just a series of acts and, and, and God, help us to be, be quick on our feet and, and, and tactful with our tongue and how we share our story and when we tell our story. Um, God, I just pray right now, like if, if someone's never shared their testimony, never shared what you've done in their life, God, I pray that you just give them opportunities to do that this week. Um, one person that, that crosses their path that, that you're prompting and be like, hey, share, share what I've done in your life to them. Um, and God, I pray that it bears much fruit um, and yeah, God, we just thank you that, that you're alive and well and active and, and moving and, and God, that your, your plan and your kingdom are advancing before us, God. In Jesus name. Amen. All right.